seeing the PowerPoint. But we're going to be looking at our new life in Christ, and we're going to address it from the perspective of what Christ accomplished or what he finished on the inside of us. I think it's so important that each and every one of you know that we have to constantly reiterate this message because if we don't, we'll allow our minds to take us backwards and undo all the things that um, the Lord has promised, all the things that he has said. And then hopefully we'll take a few minutes to just talk about where we are. Um, we've had a lot of tragedy these last few um, days here in this country. There's been um, train crashes, there's been um, fires, there have been deaths due to tornadoes, there have been all kinds of calamity that is coming forth. And we just know that God is in the midst of every struggle, every trial, everything that's happened. He's even there when people leave this earth and enter that next place that is designated for them. So we want to be sure that even though we're listening to the news, that listen, we never take our eyes off Jesus. It's so important that we remember beyond the shadow of a doubt that, listen, he has won. Jesus already won. I don't care what it looks like. And one of the things that I know God is leading me to talk about next Sunday is how we view eternal life. Because if we really grasp what eternal life is, we'll be able to fall to our knees like Stephen as he was being stoned and lift our eyes up and see Jesus. We'll be able to be like Peter who was crucified upside down, uh, who was crucified, but he asked that the cross be turned upside down because he didn't count himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus Christ. And when I hear stories like that, when you go through the book of a book of martyrs, uh, I, all I know is God, what kind of faith was this? What kind of belief was this? I'm not saying we want our lives to end that way. I'm believing God for a peaceful release from this earth realm. But what I'm saying to you is when we get to our, our place of faith and truth, whatever we may be going through, can we cast our gaze to the place that really matters and remember that Jesus won. God has never lost a battle and he is not losing one today, no matter what things look like. And look, this is the other part of that. We're in Jesus. So that means we're not losing either. It's our perception and it's what we focus on that is the determinant of where we are going to stand. I want to just read this part from um, 2 Corinthians 5. I know we use this when we are officiating final services, but I, I just, I want to read it again. And then I want to take us to a couple of other um, scriptures. Because when we consider new life, I want us to remember that new life refers to the transformation that takes place in a person's life when they become a follower of Jesus Christ. So one of the reasons why we teach the way we do here is because our transformation should be consistent. It should be moment by moment, not just year by year. 
every day we should be becoming better than we were the moment before in our belief and in our trust in Jesus as Lord of our lives. So 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm reading from the NIV, it says this, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have the building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Oh my goodness. I know many of us can identify with nakedness on many levels. I mean, in the natural, you would never want anybody to bust into um, your shower that didn't know you. You know, we understand that from a natural perspective. We know what it means to be naked when um, a secret or something we've hidden in our lives is made public against our will. We know what that feels like. Um, we know that level of vulnerability because there's this belief that we're going to be judged or people may see us differently. But then we also have this other place of nakedness where we have to be vulnerable. We have to be open. And this place is before God. And this place is knowing, listen, that all is well with me, even as I am. Even as I am. One thing that I think uh, many of us need to hear, depending on where we are in our walk, we need to hear daily, oh my God, that God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. If things are not going right, God is with me. God is with me. If things are going wonderful, God is with me. It's the same God in the oasis that is in the desert. And I believe that is a truth that new life brings us. Um, I shared with you a while back that I love Ecclesiastes 3. And if you, you all know that, it's where you get there's a time for this and there's a time for that. Just put a bookmark there. We're not going to read it today, but I think it's important. And we've covered that over and over and over again, because I think we need to realize that if you have 10 people in a room, those 10 people are going to be in 10 different places. They may be in a season to live. Another may be in a, a season to die, whatever that means. One may be in a season of anger. One may be in a season or a time of peace. But the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because wherever you are in your process and wherever you are in your growth, it's not, it should never be compared to where other people are because we arrive at our joy, we arrive at our peace, we arrive at our understanding in the times and seasons that are destined for us. There's no judgment to be passed because you're in a, in a difficult place right now. And everybody around you may be in a, in a place that's seemingly prosperous to your eyes, but that doesn't mean God is with you any less it just means that we all have different trajectories. Some of us have been through the storms that you're walking through right now. And listen, some of us have learned the lessons that you've learned, that you've um, lived out and been through. So we're past that stage of learning those kinds of lessons, but it doesn't make us, us better because the Bible says tribulation is always before us. <laughs> you know, there's always another obstacle that will come. But in the midst of that, guess what? 
We are always expecting the best from God concerning us. We're expecting his comfort. We're expecting his love. We're expecting his counsel. We're expecting his strength. And listen, we're also expecting him to lift us up when we can't lift ourselves. And I want you to know that wherever you find yourself, even if you're finding yourself in the midst of difficult situations, some of us are making decisions right now, really, that we're making because we want the things to appear that they're right. We want to, quote, get right with God. So we think we can do that outwardly by making certain decisions and choices that look right, but in truth are not good for us are not good for us. Oh my goodness. I hope that's speaking to someone today because I know how it is to have the expectation of the world on your shoulders. So you decide that you're gonna do what everybody says you do so that the appearances look right, even though your heart is nowhere in that. And you know, this may not be the best decision. Sometimes we have to wait until the Lord tells us, go left, go right, stand still. Don't just rush out and accept anything that somebody's giving you and you have no peace. Jobs, situations. I mean, if you're desperate for work and you don't have a job, go work. But you have choices. Don't go to school and, and sign up for a program because you don't want to disappoint mama. These are the kinds of things I'm talking about. We have to make sure that we're making the right decisions according to the Lord. And, in, and even when we do make the wrong decision because we're trying to please somebody else, we have to know that God is still with us. He is still with us. I tell my children all the time, God is with you in your blessing and he is with you in your lesson. Remember that the difference is whether you're convicted or you're in your repentance of it. He's there. The prodigal shared that with us. So this place of being found naked is being found where, hey, God, I have nothing hidden from you. And look, you know exactly what I'm dealing with. You even know these areas of sin that I'm trying to work through. And every, and like Paul said, every time I try to do right, every time, time I try to make that decision, and if you can find that scripture um, posted in the chat for me, he said, he said to God, you know, he said, evil is right there. Evil is right there. Oh my goodness. I shared with you guys about being vulnerable. And most of you know this, but I felt like today I needed to share this um, with you. It's some of the things that I believe. And, I, you know, because if this is a new life, I want to live in my new life. I want a life that's not built by human hands. I want a life that is ever evolving into the life that Christ lived in the earth, not the life of the church fathers, not the life of the, uh, the council and the apostolic doctrine. I'm not saying I don't believe in those things. I'm saying I want a life that has become real because Teresa has studied. 
I want that for you. I want you to know what you believe. I had to make a decision that I would not accept any eschatology that takes away my future and creates mindsets that undermine my ability to leave a legacy. Listen, I'm being honest. I will not embrace an end-time worldview that re-empowers a disempowered devil. If, if I believe in Jesus and if I believe that the Christ in me is greater than the he who is in the world, then I refuse to allow anybody to make me believe that I should be running from a devil. Scared. These are things you've heard before. But if I'm in this new life, I'm moving every day closer toward truths like these. What do you believe? Because we live in a time where being naked before God is requiring us to trust him at levels where things we have been taught has taken that trust away. Wow. I will not tolerate any theology that sabotages the clear command of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. And the prayer Jesus taught the disciples concerning heaven on earth. Anything, anything that comes against that. How in the world does this have to do with the, the, what Christ has accomplished? And, and what does this have to do with me uh, being naked and, and what does any of this do? Because, we, listen, to be naked is to be free. It's to not be confounded by any of the grave clothes that people put on around us. I asked God one day, why didn't Jesus create a new Bible? Why didn't he say, let's just go sit down and write a whole new Bible? I believe he didn't do that because the Bible had already been written, first of all. Secondly, he became the living word. He was the logos and the rhema. And thirdly, because he decided he was going to live on the inside of us and interpret everything that had come before. Giving us the opportunity for greater and greater and greater revelation. Thank God for the new covenant, the letters. Uh, we believe that is the inspired word of God, without a doubt. But I am grateful that it teaches us that we can learn more by way of rhema and revelation. That we don't have to just rest on 619 rules and regulations. That there's more to our existence. Um, verse four says, for while we are, in, we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by this life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the, sp us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Oh my goodness, my mortal body must be swallowed up by life. How is that possible? 
hold on to that for next Sunday. But we have this guarantee of the spirit. That's what Ephesians 1 tells us. But here we see that we have been, he has given up us the spirit as a deposit, which also guarantees what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. In other words, real simple, real simple. In other words, we must do everything we can to live in the spirit. And I'm not talking um, dreams and vision. I'm talking recognizing his presence wherever we are. Recognizing our responsibility of sonship, recognizing our duty and becoming likeness and image. We what we live by faith, not by sight. Every day I want you as conservators to wake up, no matter what happened the day before, and say, God still loves me. I'm still here. There's still hope for me right now. I don't care what happened. I don't care what said. My heart knows that he is here with me. I'm choosing today to be the best that I can be with what I have before me. I'm not looking at what someone else has because that could wreck my ship. It'll make me feel as if it'll make, it'll bring me back into my old man. That is not what the Lord does. He doesn't remind us of our flaws. He doesn't sit around, look at you. That's people. And that's the, the, the breaking of our, of our own mind before God. We don't want that. Every day we have to believe I have the mind of Christ. Every day we have to believe I am becoming. I am becoming. I want to just go to this part. I'm going to read through it. And then we're going to move to the book that I really want to talk about. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. It says this. Oh, my goodness. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. I want to just share this because we live in a time when ministry has become nothing but a, a, you know, a dog and pony show. I don't know if any of you ever watched the dog shows, you know, but there's great revelation in that. (laughs) I like them a lot when, you know, when you're sitting around and you're watching people press their dogs, how they sit, how they run, how they trot how their legs are made, the breed. You know, we go through all of that. That's a lot like how people are in many of our um, circles in the faith, all about the outer appearance, all about the things that make it look like we're in the midst of real ministry. But part of the beauty of our nakedness is not that we have these big, enormous places and houses of worship, but listen, but that we're able to make God plain in our conscience and that we recognize that the most important thing that we can do to anybody and for anybody is represent him well 
How simple is that? How simple is that? How can we get back there to that level of simplicity? I'm not talking in assignment only, but in thought and in heart, because the largest assignment in the world that is of God, you can have all the things that he's supposed to do. What makes it powerful is the simplicity of thought that people bring behind it because Christ has been revealed to them. Oh man, does that make sense to you? Because sometimes when we teach, people think you're teaching against large ministries, you're teaching against these things. No, those things are wonderful. Influence is everything. What matters is the heart and the motive behind it because that is what God works with. That is what he's concerned with. And that is where he grows things from the foundation. He says here, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is saying, whether the, um, what, who, I'm sorry, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. And those that who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you guys believe that? We talk about the all all the time. The all is all. The all is all, not some. Not the people down the street, not just the ones in this denomination, not just the ones in that denomination. It's all, it's the all, it's the all. The very first Bible study we ever did inside the conservatory virtually was how God loved the world. The whole world, not certain people, but the whole world. Man, I remember when I was a part of this love. Do you? This is Passion Week. Passion Week. This is Passion Week. We have to recognize he died for me. He died for my enemy. He died for everybody in my own life. He died for all those people in the midst of the hater sermons. He died for Jezebel. You know, everybody's favorite devil. Oh my God, he died. And what we're called to do through likeness and image is to cause them to know it. To be their triumphal entry into the kingdom. Oh my goodness. So from now on, we regard no one, oh, no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, because, you know, we love, uh, one of the reasons why I, and I, I say this all the time, one of the main reasons why I push you guys to um, 
think on Christ is because we love to teach on people because we can identify with the mistakes that people make. Oh man, well, I did that. And, and listen, there's, there's good in that. But if that becomes your central focus, then your eyes are off Jesus. We focus on Jesus because, you know, Jesus Christ, because he's perfected. We want the perfected example. That's why you hear Paul say things, um, follow me as I follow Christ. That's why he's always reminding the people, hey, this is what I taught you about Jesus. That, that, that doesn't sound right. Why are you fighting over circumcision? Why are you fighting over works? Why are you? Because in the new life, we have to recognize what is finished. Oh, my goodness. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to stop here and just say that God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I just want to share this with you right now. One of the hardest things to believe is that God has forgiven us. And I know that there are people here still struggling with that. And I know there are people here who move past that, literally move past that. And that's just maturity. It doesn't mean better. It means you've worked out your soul's salvation. It means that you have matured. It means that some things are a done deal. And I want you to know that this truth can be a done deal in your life. If you don't believe this, it's going to change how you pray. It's going to change how you ask God for things. It's going to change how you do your ministry because you'll move from service to performance. It's going to change how you relate to leadership. It, it, it affects everything in your life. This one little thing that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against it. I need you to believe this. This is not a, this is grace. This is, not a, this is not a declaration of lasciviousness. I'm not saying to you your sin state doesn't matter. I am saying that in a repentant heart, God is covering you as you walk to your place of perfection in him. As long as you're putting forth the effort, as long as you're crying out to him, as long as you're believing God for breakthrough, as long as your press is like that of David, God, this is what I did. And he said, but you are God. You all know what I mean. As long as this is what the long walk looks like. And the only thing that's going to get you through this long walk is your desire and your thirst for him. Lukewarm, God, listen, God has a problem with lukewarm people because they are double-minded. They're torn between two worlds. That's why he say, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. At least I'll know where you stand. 
That's what God is saying. So if you don't have that thirst, and if you don't have that hunger, the first step is trying to figure out, Holy Spirit, how can I get it? If you talk about a prayer, pray this, Holy Spirit, help me thirst for the Lord. I want to thirst for him. Those are the kinds of prayers that the Spirit runs to answer. He'll start colliding you with people that are sold out. You'll find yourself with friends that are uncompromising. You'll recognize that you're in a place where people think to be kind first, not second. You'll find yourself with people that understand what your situation is. We have to switch. We don't beg God to help us. We're like, Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And I need to be thirsty for God. You will wake up in the middle of the night weeping like you're out of your mind and you won't even know why. Sometimes people just cry when they come into a ministry or and they don't know what's happening. I mean, my God, it's regeneration. It's regeneration. That's what's happening. You're, you're, you're becoming likeness and image. God is cleansing. He's capturing those tears in a bottle. You don't have to be able to interpret them. Who said you got to interpret every teardrop? That's God's business. All we have to do is just regenerate. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Someone just wrote, I prayed. And uh, amen, I prayed. I want to want to love him with all my heart and all my soul, all my strength and all my mind. Listen. All this other stuff we asking for, pray that. Pray that. Sometimes I just sit around and I say, Lord, I want to love your people. When I feel myself not loving his people. You know how things happen. God, give me a love in that situation. So that I'm not getting and growing cold. I need the love right now, God. I need the love. Because I'm angry. Let's pray. Listen, I had this mentor. And I, I grew up where everybody shouted and screamed their prayers. Listen, God hears those too. But that was all I was used to. And in my mind, I was thinking that, um, wow, Teresa's prayers are not powerful because she doesn't pray like that. And I think I told you guys a couple of weeks ago. I was a part of all these intercessory teams and they were like, well, you have to walk and swing your arms. You have to stump. I was taught that. Um, they told me that um, I had to yell and that I needed to be loud and aggressive in my prayer. And, you know, and I thought that all of that, no, I'm, I'm just saying, my interpretation of that as a young believer was simply that God is not going to hear me if I'm not doing all of these things that the intercessors are saying that I should do. Lo and behold, I end up with one, my first true mentor. I had other people in my life, but this lady, she prayed like this. Father, just touch Teresa right now. Let her believe that you love her. Amen. This was all the time. And I'm like, what? And the answer she's going on but it was 
but it was my heart began to melt because I realized that it was a sincere prayer. It was the kind of prayer that God wants. Now she prayed all the time on a whole lot of subjects, but I never in my life, in eight years, I never heard her raise her voice except in laughter. And she had one of the most profound healing. And as we say in our whatever's deliverance ministries that you ever heard. Demons screamed in her presence. I saw it. Oh my God. Shall I remember her telling me, calm down, calm down. <laughs> I was like, what? All right, y'all ain't laughing with me today. My comedy show hadn't started yet. But here I was with her. There she is. Slaying Goliath. With simple prayers. Totally contrasting. And listen, she never talked about the devil. Well, I remember her telling me one day. <laughs> You know, he has no power. We're not working by him. He changed my mind because new life looks like Jesus. Oh my goodness. How did Jesus pray? Of all the things he could have prayed when the disciples asked, he said, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Of all the things he could have prayed in that moment, of all the warfare that they were facing, of all the, listen, I'm not trying to tell you how to pray. I'm making a point about new life. And what happens when your faith rises to a different level and you don't even realize it when your trust enters the place where image and likeness is when you realize you are of a different mind. When that transfer of the mind of Christ occurs, you can say, go in Jesus' name and it's done. Oh my goodness, new life. New life. I'm not talking about cars and, uh, you know, we know those things will be added to us. We know that God knows that we need to eat and sleep and live. We know, and we know that we can petition him for certain things, but the heart is what we really need to be getting renewed in this hour. This is passion week. Let's bombard hearts to be changed. Let's bombard heaven for the mind of Christ to take his position. Let's, I mean, my God. The difference of the mind. And maturity brings us into that place. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. That was my catalyst to stop asking for anything the old prophets had. I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not Ezekiel. 
I'm not Malachi. I'm not Jonah. I don't want to be Jonah. Why do you want to be Jonah? You know, what do you need, Miriam and Esther? No, what? I'm sorry if that hurts anybody, but I need Jesus, the greatest anointing. But it takes a revelation to get there. And I'm not saying a better person or a better, I'm saying if, if, if the scripture tells us in Hebrews, Christ over Moses, what in the world does that mean about everybody else that we elevate above God? Oh my God, new life. New life. Unto Moses. Reconciled unto the God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew. I am reconciled into the ministry of Christ. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the only Son of the Living God, the second Adam. Now resurrected. The one that I've been told just now, don't regard him from his earth life anymore. I need you to see him from his high position. He's the gap filler. He is interceding 24-7, seven days a week in our time. His intercession never stops. Can we agree with him? Oh my gosh. If there is a gap, it's the gap that he is in and I'm in him and he in me. So I agree with Christ. I don't need to become an intercessor all to myself outside of the pattern that Christ has set. He is my high priest. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father. I'm in him and he's in me. I'm on the right hand of the Father. Oh, my goodness. That's why you don't see me doing them gap prayers. And we've talked about this before. I, I, listen, God is so humble that wherever people are, he loves them so much that he meets them in their belief. He waits till they get through with all of that stuff until when they can get to a point that they can believe God can move, he moves. But what if he could have moved with yes before all the in-between? Oh, my goodness. Consider it because that's the mind of Christ. Speak to the mountain and this mountain shall move. You all have heard some of the miracles that I've shared with you from my own life. I'm reflecting on those this week. Husband raised from the dead. Me brought back to life after dying. Went to heaven. But God brought me back. Seen my daughter and my granddaughter resurrected. Prayed for people that were about to die and saw them come back to life. No need of surgery. I want you to remember the things that God has done for you and that you prayed and seen him move on behalf of others because this is new life. I'm with the people. 
the great people is in me or who is in the world is greater. We have to choose. Father, help me believe that you are greater. That's the prayer. Not help me defeat the devil. Help me believe that you and I are greater than the devil. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, my God, when you know who you are, you know how to command your life. We're here to help you command your life by putting on the mind of Christ. New life, new life. Let's go here. I'm not going to keep you much longer. It's almost 1230. Here we are. I'm just going to go to Colossians. I always tell y'all, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'll never stop talking about that. You all should be so versed in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that you're spinning around knowing it by heart. <laughs> so Colossians 3. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the first two chapters at another time. Listen to this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Wow. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Is that true? Oh my goodness. This full measure that we talk about. Uh, you know, we, we use Ephesians 4.11. We look at the, the characteristics and, the, and the, I always say the Ephesians 4.11 gifts are the elements of Christ that were entrusted to us. He, lay, he left us with himself in five dimensions. That's how I see it in order to help bring everybody to this truth that we're reading now and that it talks about this place of being in full measure. Full measure is the apostolic mind. It's thinking and existing like Jesus. Oh man, they're coming to kill me. Not my will, God, but your will be done. Oh my God, can you take this cup from me? Can you, I'm begging, I'm begging. Oh, I'm okay, God. I know that you're for me and not against me. It's this, this place of becoming like him. Oh, he said, since then you have been raised with Christ. Listen, those of us who are here right now, we're not waiting to be raised. We have been raised. I want you to believe that whatever it takes to believe this truth. This is Colossians 3. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Oh my gosh, I'm already dead. Yes, you are, but sometimes that body don't know it, right? So every day our growth process is a process of convincing ourselves that we belong to Jesus, that we are one with him, that we have his mind, Listen, one of the things that I, let me just say, 
one of the first clues that I had crossed over when I first got saved. I'll never forget my brother. He was like, after about a year, he said, look, we were waiting on you to backslide. He said, you've been going strong for a year. And he said, nothing we do can get you to go back. He said, I know there is a God. That was the greatest compliment I have ever received from my family. This is a year in. Then I went to some friends and, you know, we got together. They said, okay, let's get together. We haven't been, been hanging out since high school. I hadn't seen them since I was 18 years old. I'm about 30 now. And they come, they come over to my house and, they, and we're sitting around. We were talking about high school and some of the crazy stuff we used to do. Nothing, nothing that crazy, but you know, just high school stuff, school skipping, police chasing us, stuff like that. So I remember sitting on my, on my couch and one of the girls that were there really, we're still friends to this day. She said to me, she said, we got to get to know you again. You are not the same. You're nothing like the Teresa we remember. And all I could do was say, thank God. Because it was a positive that they were saying this. One said, we thought you'd be dead by now. We were really worried for you when you were in college. We had, we didn't know what to do. And they, then they were like, man, man, that's all they could do was shake their head. Those who know me now can't even imagine somebody saying something like that. But back then, because they don't see that old me because she is dead. That old me is gone. But had you known me then, you would have seen that I was living in death. I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to be proud of yourself right now. Because I promise you, there are people in your life who no longer know who you are. Oh my God. Passion week. New life. So for every place you think you are behind, for every place you think you've been dragging along, for every place you think you're not there yet, look, all you got to do is go look in the mirror and remember who you were before this path was even before you. If you can say, my heart is different. I'm not saying my ways are different because it takes a moment for some of them ways to drop off. But if you can say my heart is different in so many ways, I'm not there yet, but if you can say my heart is different, full measure is taking place. New life is upon you. This is why he died. He didn't just die so you could be saved. He died so you could have abundant life on the inside first. He died for my peace. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. As long as you look at where you're at, You'll never see the Jesus on the inside of you. You'll never see it. You'll never have 
we see him. To death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Oh my God. And while we see sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, I want you to know that it's not limited to that. It's limited, it's, it's anything dark that separates you from your maturation in the Father. Bad attitude, nice, nasty, whatever it is. Jealousy. Oh my God. That all falls in evil desires, right? Oh my God. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now listen, I want you to understand when it says this, we all think, oh my God, it means that I'm going to die. I'm the listen. I want you to know that any any of us that is adversarial against God, he resists us. In other words, the resistance is coming. Listen, I like the word consequence, but if you keep doing what you're doing, there is a judgment. The wages of sin is death. We can't avoid the nasty life and its consequences. Treating people any kind of way. Abusing the physical body. Thinking wrong. Listen, you want to die real fast? Keep dealing with that messed up mindset. I'm nothing. Nobody loves me. God hates me. I have no friends. Keep thinking like that and there is death. It leads us down all kinds of pathways that resist God. It's not just one thing. Bible interpretations are everything. Study the Bible. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So if today is the day that you're renewing your life with the Lord and you're right now recommitting yourself to him during Passion Week, you're making a decision that this is a turning point for me, guess what? It's your past already. It's your past right now. You used to walk in these ways and the life you once lived. Because in Christ, you're a new creation. We just read that. All things are passed away. All things become new. And your decision, your choice, you become new. And you begin to be your own resistance. So God does not have to be. But now you must rid yourselves. Here we go. Of us. Oh, that's the rest of it. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Oh my gosh, filthy language? Do not lie to each other. What? Since you have taken off your old self, you have taken off your old self. You have taken off your old self. A lot of people teach that um, we're dying, but what we're doing is shedding the old, and shedding the old is painful. It's a, it's a daily death. And listen, you never stop it. It's just different levels now. There are different things I have to deal with now. I don't deal with the gnats and the flies. You follow what I mean? 
You have to grow beyond things when you have the mind of Christ. We saw Jesus battling in Gethsemane against the mindset that he had, well, you my father, you can save me if you want to. <laughs> you know, I'm just using that as an example, totally reading more into that than there is, but you get the point. Oh my God, do not lie to each other. Verse nine, since you have taken off your old self with this practices, since you have taken, since you, since you, since you have taken off. That means you got, we have a lot of work to do. It's not magic. And we put on the new self. I choose to be nice to you, even though you just cussed me out. I choose to help you, even though you just threw me out your house. I choose. I choose to do the opposite of what my own nature would have done. I'm not going to slap you. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. And put on the new self. Listen. That's how renewal takes place by choice and by decision. When you help and, and when you do what you're supposed to do in the hands of God, then Holy Spirit can rise up in you and empower you. Come alongside you and walk with you to expedite that process, not, not drag it out but to expedite it if we just bend into the will of God. Some of our healing can go as slow or as fast as we allow. The Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly. Sometimes you are the adversary. It's not just outside forces. Here, there is no Gentile that you. No circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, sky, you need to do research on these categories, especially the barbarian and the Scythian. Slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Listen, I don't care who is sitting beside you right now. I don't care who is beside you on the screen. I don't care what they did yesterday. I don't care what they have going on. But if they said yes, and they said yes to God with purity of heart and with every intention, we no longer have the right to throw up their past against them. Listen, here there is no Gentile at you, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian. No slave or free, because in this moment, it's Christ in all. Little simple things. God took, it took God 30 years, 20 years to get me here. In, no, no, almost 30 years to get me here in my salvation process. Who has the right to tell you how long it's going to take to work out all the trouble that you had. And if you happen to come into the faith late, you probably got 30, 40 years of stuff that's got to shake off. If you were blessed to come in at eight, nine, and 10 years old and 
and and religion didn't get a hold of you god be with you that is a mighty testimony but wherever you find yourself whatever season as long as your heart is thirsty for jesus as long as you're pursuing the lord and i mean through his word praying prayers lord make me thirsty for you give me a desire for your word give me a heart to pray teach me how to focus on you if you're praying those kinds of difficult prayers because those are the most difficult prayers you will ever pray praying for your enemies is not hard in the sense of scatter my enemies suffer a wish not to live you know all of that stuff that's easy even though that's not what we do today everything has to be pressed under jesus today How would Jesus pray? And he told us, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who wrongfully use you. Pray. He told us what to do. But that's new life. New life is in Christ, not in other patterns. Passion week. I am praying this week that God gives you a heart to study Jesus that Jesus will reveal himself to you. That you will see his mind differently than just, I need the fruit of love today. No. You need the mind of Christ because every characteristic of the fruit of the spirit is his mind. God is love. The mind of Jesus is the mind of God, for goodness sake. Oh my goodness. This is the last scripture I'm going to read. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Now we're putting on the real clothes. With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you read Ephesians 4, you can't even get to the end of that chapter with having all of these things repeated. Man, oh man, oh man. It's not just character. It's a state of existence, a state of living and breathing, a state of being, a state of brokenness for yourself and for others. One of the things that helps me when I'm dealing with people is realizing how much of a handful I am and how much of a handful I have been. I had somebody say to my husband while I'm standing next to him, I don't know how you're married to her. And my husband looked at him and I looked at him. I said, you want what I'm not, which is some, some subservient, quiet, whatever. Listen, look, he didn't have my, I, I just told him, mom, I didn't give my husband a chance. My point is we're not friends anymore either. <laughs> because if you can't respect me, how are we going to have a friendship? I'm not going to subject myself to that. But here we have, therefore, as God's people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone else, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, oh my God, put on love. Because love is God. 
Put on God. Put on his mind. Put on God. Put on God, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Oh my goodness. New life. New life. Listen, some of you are not reading the word. You can't grow with that. Some of you have no prayer life. And if you do, it's like the light switches in your house day and night. That's got to change. You're running to people trying to figure out who can help me. Run to God. There's nothing like the perfect Holy Spirit. Listen, living on the inside of you unused. Let's tap into that. You can't get nobody on the phone to pray. I wonder why. Let God train us in his way. It's not good having access to people every time we feel like we need it. And if you have a good leader, sometimes they will let that phone ring for days. I do that. I've done that. I've had to. I've had to. Because you cannot allow people to depend on you. They have to depend on God. And that's hard. Because when you're dealing with people that have not moved into places of maturity, they're going to take that personally. Not understanding that you're protecting them and you're protecting yourself. Because it's easy for leaders to get savior complexes and take the place of Holy Spirit if we allow it. God is able to get us through our rough places. And listen, if you have a good leader and it's really a serious situation, guess what? They will answer the phone. Put in the work. I just showed you. This is not magic. Choice. Decision. Faith. This is hard. It's supposed to be as you shed the old. It's not going to be easy. But there's one thing he told us, and I shared with you at the beginning. He would never leave you or forsake you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's hard. Listen, my husband and I, we married as children. Children, some of you know what I'm talking about. Can you imagine growing up unsaved and becoming saved and having to work through all of that? It ain't pretty. And for both of you to end up on Jesus' side? Oh, my God. Talk about death and resurrection. It is beautiful if you don't have to go through that. And we have the opportunity, especially among those that aren't married, you have the opportunity right now to mature before that situation ever, ever would present itself and enter that marriage hole. Oh my goodness. Enter that friendship hole. Enter your leadership positions hole. Enter that workplace hole. 
instead of fighting, learning how to be. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have favor in this workplace. I have favor among these people. Listen, it's Passion Week. Let's make use of it. I promise you, I'm looking for a poem. I, I, I want to say to you that, again, this is probably the only time of the year that we will have the kind of agreement concerning Christ, concentrated, intentional. Get these prayers in because everybody's agreeing with you. They're agreeing with you that you become like Christ, that, that we don't forget, that we remember. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Father, we just thank you for this evening. I thank you for each and every person that's on the um, Zoom today. I thank you, Father, that there's something in the word that they heard that would bless them, that, that would lead them, that would guide them, that would turn their hearts towards you. I thank you, Father, that they will believe that they are worth every effort that you have invested on the inside of them. I thank you that they will not look at themselves as less than because you said in your word that it is unwise to compare ourselves to others. So we stand today knowing, Father, that right where we are in this moment, even if we're on the wrong path, we know that you are setting that path straight. We thank you, Father, that we are a people of hunger. We are a people of thirst. And we decree and declare that we are people who are pursuing immersive life on the inside of us, Father. We want Christ or nothing. Father, we decree and declare that we will not be a part of the circus. Father, we decree and declare that wherever the crowds are gathering, Lord God, that we have a discerning eye and that we're not afraid to run in the opposite direction when you say go. Father, we decree and declare that there is no friendship, no relationship, no human, Lord, no one that we will place above your son, Jesus. Father, no idol set before us. We won't even idolize ourselves, our ministries, our ideologies. Father, we decree and declare that we're willing to lay down anything that is not prosperous for us. And we thank you, Father, that your word says that we are to love you with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. May we love you with our mind and be a people who think and who reason and who consider, who will not take things and face forward. And I always tell those with me, study anything that I share with them to find out and search it and make sure I'm giving them you. Father, I just declare that we're moving forward. We need it in this hour as things are still happening in the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you.